0: Impact of Influence The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. The truth. Hello, friend. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker here as well. Uh, we are grateful you're going to spend some time with us. Always appreciate that. Impact of Influence on Facebook. And. Uh, Starting rolling with our Impact of Influence YouTube channel. We'll have that on the Facebook page so you can find it. Part of the Evergreen Podcast uh, Company. And uh, we have had some things happen because we've been waiting for this big moment. How close are we going to get to an Alec Murdoch retrial for the double murder he was convicted of of his wife and son a couple of years ago? And this was the first stage, this hearing that took place in Columbia, South Carolina under the guidance of Justice Toll. Seton, you were there, and it was, I think I should say, it went a lot differently than I think that a lot of people anticipated.
1: It did. It was actually not a hearing. It was a public status conference. Okay, uh, yes, so thank you. It's it kind of started off uh, a little bit later than expected. Alec Murdoch was there. Prior to it starting, he was chatting with uh, some of the legal team and he seemed to be in good demeanors he was smiling and laughing but that quickly changed as the uh, conference progressed Uh, it definitely was not a good day for Alec Murdoch it's
0: probably a horrible analogy because it's much more serious than football but I feel like it was right before kickoff when Jerry Jones and all the Cowboy fans this past weekend were like, we're going we're to win this one. And then we're going to go to the Super Bowl. And then before you know it, it's like 28, nothing. And they're all sad. And that, that was like Alec Murdoch, uh, watching the Green Bay Packers stroll over him. Cause justice toll wasn't having much to do with what his defense team was presenting.
1: Well, and I posted a picture to our Facebook page, which I thought was so interesting. I, one of the pool photographers from post and courier took this picture and it is Alec Murdoch just with his head and his his, yes. his hands and uh Jim just looks frustrated Philip Barber looks kind of red faced and you could tell that that team was definitely not having a good day the picture uh, captured it perfectly so go to go to our Facebook page and check it out
0: let's explain why it was not great and and some of the other things uh you Will Lewis was there who was the lawyer for Becky Hill
1: yeah, and Justin Bamberg, who was her other attorney, he was not there. Um, also, Joe McCullough, who represents uh, one of the deliberating jurors and also the dismissed uh, egg juror, was, and Eric Bland, who represents four of the deliberating jurors, were all in attendance. Um, interestingly, none of Alec Murdoch's family or friends appeared to be in attendance.
0: It started a little later than expected uh, as the attorneys were in chambers. With uh, Justice Toll, they mentioned that later in the, I keep wanting to just call it a hearing, but later in conference, the conference, conference, later in the conference, about how they'd hash some things out ahead of time, it started what thirty minutes late or so.
1: Another weird thing happened before it started. This this man approached the media and said, "They're they're talking about me in chambers. That's why it's starting late." And he handed us a uh, legal filing that I guess he had filed and. It was dated January 15, 2024, and it read Motion to disqualify Judge Gene Toll for participation in conspiracy against civil rights of citizens. Um, it was addressed to 23 members of the Senate Judiciary Committee Chief Justice Beatty, Justice Toll, uh, Attorney General Alan Wilson, Dick Carputlian, Jay Bender. And Michael DeWitt with the Greenville News it was really very <laughs> very strange. I tried to read it, and I didn't understand it, but just like everything else murdoch it was it was odd
0: and it doesn't seem to have any real legs as far as
1: they did not address it in anything. this conference at all yeah
0: so then the so the defense tries to pitch their case to justice toll uh and what was the state versus Cameron? Uh, case law that they tried to refer to.
1: Well, this was a 1993 federal court case in which the bailiff had conversed with a forelady during the deliberations. Apparently, the bailiff told the forelady that they should not worry if they were deadlocked because the judge was fair. And this was considered misleading because it tended to lessen the jury's sense of responsibility by implying that if they rendered a verdict of guilty with without mercy, that the judge would have some discretion in sentencing. So They made their case that this was material and this is what they should rely on.
0: And they referred to some of the Clerk Hill's communication that has been talked about in affidavits, which was things like, don't be fooled by him, watch his demeanor, when they were talking about Alec taking the stand.
1: Right. Uh, but Judge Toll quickly indicated that... Um, there was plenty of state law that would apply, and she referenced State versus Green, which is what the state uh, argued was the proper uh, case law to follow.
0: State versus green it was a bailiff with improper communication.
1: Also, a bailiff.
0: Yes, yes. So um, yeah, The other two that you mentioned—the before that was a bailiff. This one's the clerk of court, uh, and that she was improper communication with jurors. We've been convicted of murder and desecration of human remains. Jeez. Uh, In this case, the trial court questioned each juror and the bailiff and proved that there was, quote, no reasonable possibility that the comments influenced the verdict. It was determined that a Remmer hearing was not necessary. So let's go to Remmer. Talk about that for a minute.
1: Yeah. So in Remmer, a juror was approached by an unnamed person and was told that the juror could profit by bringing a favorable verdict to the defendant. Um, So, Green says that this attempted bribery situation in Remmer uh, is different than this case because it doesn't go to the merit, um, and it's a far cry uh, different than than trying to bribe a juror.
0: Right. But what I did see that I thought was interesting, and I'm a new attorney, but one of the quotes from the Green case is, there was no reasonable possibility that the comments influenced the verdict. It was determined that a Remmer hearing was not necessary. No, So, the, the the question I had, and I reached out to an attorney about it, was there's no reasonable possibility. It doesn't say that if the jurors say no, right? So, it doesn't say if all the jurors say no, then it's clear. They said reasonable, so is it is it possible? Then, the jurors could say no, but the justice could say, "But I think there's reasonable possibility that it did have an influence, even though you said you didn't right right i, I mean uh now, I've been told maybe I'm pull a hooey on that uh because it still is the question of whether it rises to a remmer uh, uh you level know, level
1: yes or not um so. Well,
0: that to be seen.
1: Nonetheless, by adopting Green as the standard, uh, Justice Toll is keeping the burden with the defense.
0: That's important to point out. You just said if she had flipped it and gone with the Remmer, I guess it would be, the uh, burden would have been on the state to prove it didn't have an effect. Right. I suppose now the defense has to prove it did have an effect.
1: All right. So that was that whole thing that we've discussed before that that the defense was saying if it was Remmer or uh, what was the other case? Uh, Green? No, Green is the one they're relying on. Oh, Uh, yeah. Cameron, um, Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it was was Cameron or Remmer, then just having these improper communications are enough for him to get a new trial.
0: In the Cameron case, yeah. In
1: the Cameron case. But according to the Green case, it would have had to affect the outcome of the case. So Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. would have had to make a difference on the verdict. It was
0: very clear that she's going with that.
1: It was Justice very. Going it, with that. it was very clear, and I really think that a big factor in that is that this is state law versus federal law.
0: That that yes, that that could be. I think that influenced. Uh, I nicely. had an attorney tell me they thought it was. The question was even, you know, state was involved, but she thought that uh, it was how that, that Justice Toll isn't seeing it thus thus far. And again, she said she can change things. Thus far, has as rising to the Remmer level.
1: Right. Her contention is prejudice must be proven, not presumed. And I want to discuss that because um, in the day and age that we live in, you know, you can't, especially with the Murdoch case, somebody is at the store and someone's discussing the case just briefly and they hear something. You can't really possibly eliminate all external influences.
0: And they're not sequestered, right? Um, They weren't
1: sequestered. So you would have to be living in a, Tent down by the river, not to not stand <laughs> by the river, not to have heard any of the anything about it, and not saying that they did, and they were told not to listen to media and they were told not All to right. hear things, but you know somebody yells out the window, Murdoch's guilty on their way out of the yeah. courthouse. You can't control that. I
0: think the defense would argue the difference is it's a clerk of court, it's a court official, Court official, yes, not a, just a random dude at the piggly wiggly. So that's what they would argue. So. We then, usually she said prejudice must be proven, not presumed. The, s- the defense was certainly hoping that it would be the opposite. Justice told, what did she say about the witnesses? This was a, a blow to the Murdoch team.
1: She says that she only intends to interview the 12 jurors who deliberated in the Carca court. So she's removing the egg juror, the alternate who submitted affidavits, and she really wanted to keep this hearing, she used the term focused and very targeted.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
1: she also said that this was not the trial of Becky Hill. So she really wants to keep this very limited and indicated that the questions she's really interested in asking are things like Were there improper communications, first and foremost? First we, need, we need to know if these happened. And if they did, did those communications affect the verdict?
0: Yes. That, that to me is going to be her simply saying, Did it affect, you know, here's question one Anything said? Question two to the juror. Did it affect you?
1: Right. and It she could said, be that simple and quick. She says she's not going to address uh, a lot of these allegations against Clerk Hill that occurred after the trial. For example, her book and the plagiarism. misappropriation
0: of funds. Right. Uh, like that doesn't have
1: anything to do with the trial. Um, she's not going to address this Facebook stuff with the egg jur.
0: Murdoch's attorney, Harputinian, kept trying to push the point of, well, we want to go toward her credibility. Don't we have the right to go to her credibility? Right?
1: Right. And they said something about this 2,000-plus uh, emails. You know, she doesn't intend oh, to yes, go through the 2,000. T- yes. And then I think Harputlian said something to the effect of, well, uh, we don't expect you to go through 2,000 emails. And she said, well, you put that there were 2,000 emails in your brief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she was not really having any of that. No, um, no. They also discussed these uh, summaries that SLED did. Uh, oh, can I back up for a second? Not yeah, to yeah. You.
0: Um, just to, to point I think we, we should mention, too, is um, – she said, "Newman, Judge Newman, any yes. attorneys? None of those people are going to testify. They were on the list, but so any attorneys involved and Judge Newman, not they're they're out.
1: I think it would have story. been a really long shot to uh, have Judge Newman when they put that in there when the defense put that in the filing that they would yeah. like to uh, have Judge Newman as a witness. I thought, woo, that's I didn't think that would happen. Or Creighton Waters, or or crate and Waters, or, or, yeah, or, yeah. or Creighton Waters, exactly."
0: Okay, so sorry to interrupt, because, um, yes, yeah, so the so we are on to the Facebook stuff, I believe.
1: Yeah, she, well. There's the she, SLED,
0: the SLED uh, summary. Oh, yeah, yeah the go.
1: SLED, so SLED conducted interviews of us, uh, I think, all but maybe two of well, the jurors. I know for sure well, they, they didn't. uh Joe's. They didn't do Joe's juror number 630, and we'll get to 630 in a minute. Uh, but I believe there was possibly one other juror who has not been interviewed by Least SLED. One. But. I'm not. I wasn't clear by, by uh, what I heard at the hearing if if that was the case or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But nonetheless, there are these summaries of uh, the interviews that Slack conducted. But there's also accompanying videos, and the defense claims that the videos need to be watched because the summaries don't really include everything oh. that's necessary to for the judge to hear.
0: Uh, well, I think that's fair, right? Uh, that I, I think it's sense. fair,
1: but and and she judge uh, t- or. Justice Toll kind of um, backed off of it a little bit. So she said that she kind of wanted to conduct these interviews of the jurors and that she wanted to do her own fact-finding. But the defense is saying, no, we need you to watch this because some of these things may impeach what they say. Because they they changed their story. She's getting some zip drives, apparently, of these interviews and the summaries. And I, I, I... I'm not sure if she's going to listen to those or not.
0: No, because she mentioned something about, uh, we're not going to pick apart if they said one thing one day and one thing the other day. Something yes. along those lines. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. By the way, uh, Justice Toll thinks the jurors, the jurors, it's a hard word, jurors. I know, right? Is. Jurors uh, will, uh, that one day, one day to talk to, to interview them. But uh, explain what she said about how the interview will be done with the jurors.
1: Um, she says that it will be conducted in open court, but and there will be a camera of the court TV feed. But their faces will not be shown mm-hmm. when the attorneys representing the jurors, Eric Bland, Bland mm-hmm. and uh, Joe McCullough. Eric Bland indicated that he would prefer them not to be filmed. It would not really be in open court. but Justice Joe Joe,
0: went, Joe was uh, uh, McCullough was on on, board on, with this, that too. on the
1: same board. but Justice Toll said that there's a precedent of this happening. I mean, you also have to think that these jurors were seen by members of the public who attended this trial. It's mm-hmm. not, I mean, I think we do need to protect their privacy, but I think some of, it's of the, out there. some of it's out there. Some of them uh, appeared on uh, different media outlets, interviews, and that sort of thing. So, Joe
0: McCullough's point, I think, and he will correct me if I'm wrong, was that by putting them in front of a full uh, gallery, right? It puts like this people react differently when there's a full gallery and a lot of pressure. And there's more pressure.
1: Yeah, we talked about-
0: Whether it's identifying him or not, it's not about the identifying with him as much as you act differently, right? Yes,
1: yeah, so and we talked about that, how, how intimidating it must have been for the egg juror when she was questioned in front of a packed courthouse. Um, mm-hmm. So certain people, I, I personally get nervous when I have to get up in front of a large group of people and talk, so I, I could see that that would be very intimidating.
0: And to be the one, let's just- you know, play crazy game here to be the one that says, I changed my verdict based on what Becky Hill said might be different to say in front of a hundred people than in front of a couple lawyers and a justice.
1: Exactly. I'm
0: not saying that would happen, but that's his point that like, you know,
1: but justice toll does seem committed to transparency and making sure that the public, uh, is seeing this process unfold.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So, see, she'll be, oh, oh, Clerk Hill will also be, uh, Becky Hill, questioned in front of the open court with cameras.
1: Right, and she will be questioned, I believe, by attorneys, not just, uh, that was my understanding, not just by Justice Toll.
0: Right, Justice Toll's going to do the jurors. No attorneys are allowed to question the jurors. Yeah, it's as of now.
1: Now, and there's a a good possibility that Clerk Hill will plead the fifth.
0: Which we had thought a few weeks ago, whenever it was, that, that would be impossible. We were kind of to- led to believe that because she's already commented on something. I don't know that
1: we said that was impossible. We said that they may argue that she yeah. w- would be forced to uh, mm-hmm. to answer some of these questions because of the affidavit that she and filed. she still might. Because that would be waiving her right to—we don't know exactly what will happen with that. But if she does plead the fifth, uh, the judge will have to take into consideration her credibility. And what that means to her credibility.
0: Especially depending on what question she took the fifth to, right? There could be some that she'd be like, okay, I you know, well, you know, I mean there's some that it might be more important to Justice Toll than others.
1: Right. Right. Um, yeah, yes. Does she plead the fifth to everything or does she answer some of the questions? Does it answer some of other questions? We don't we don't really know exactly what will happen, but I don't think we'll find out until the day of the hearing. It was interesting because um Dick Harpootley had asked her attorney, Will Lewis, if uh, she, if he would make her available for a interview and he said he would take that under consideration. Yeah. I think that's a no. <laughs> yeah. He was up there for like a half
0: a second. He wasn't up there very long. No,
1: he was not up there long. Um, and I will say that, uh, justice Toll did say that, um, uh, she was not ruling in a vacuum and this is what she's seeing the process look like so far. Um, but things could change, uh, based on evidence that presented to her. She did
0: leave it open. That, she did leave yeah.
1: it open a little bit. Just a little, but it's still She bad seemed day. pretty, pretty, pretty strong that it's just going to be the sitting jurors, uh, or the deliberating jurors who are going right. to be interviewed because that's, in her opinion, what really matters. It's
0: going to be Becky Hill and 12 jurors. That's what it appears to be, 13 people, and uh, going to be saying, something inappropriate said, did it uh, sway you? Bam, next. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So let's talk about juror number 630, who is Joe McCullough's client, and she seemed to make the most damning statements against uh, Clark Hill. So let's look over some of her affidavit, which was signed in August of 2023. Um, She says that towards the end of the trial, after the president's day break, but before Murdoch testified, that Clark Rebecca Hill told the jury not to be fooled by the evidence presented by Mr. Murdoch's attorneys, which she understood to mean that Mr. Murdoch would lie when he testified.
0: That's a pretty big accusation and a pretty, to me, inflammatory comment, if true.
1: Right. And then she says that she was instructed to watch him closely immediately before he testified, including looking at his actions and Looking at his movements, which she understood to mean he was guilty. Hardcore stuff. Right. She talks a little bit about some, I guess, a, the former four person being criticized for handing Ellic Murdoch tissues. A box of tissues. She talked
0: about some jury stuff, but we, we, you know, it doesn't matter what the jury is saying, right?
1: Right. What she doesn't really say to me clearly in this affidavit was that these communications.
0: Cha- made, her change her verdict. made her
1: change her verdict. She does say, when deliberations began, Miss Hill told us that this shouldn't take long and that if we delivered past 11 p.m., we'd be taken directly to a hotel. We've been driven from our homes that morning and we're not prepared to stay overnight. Additionally, smokers on the juries asked to be allowed to take smoke breaks, but were told that they could not smoke until deliberations were complete. Uh, she goes on to say, I had questions about Mr. Murdoch's Guilt, but I voted guilty because I felt pressured by other jurors.
0: But you see pressured by other jurors.
1: Right. That's, that
0: doesn't matter.
1: That doesn't matter. It only matters if uh, the communications with Clerk Hill swayed her, changed her verdict in some way.
0: And also uh, we want to hear what 826 has to say because this juror 630 says that this uh, 826 and Becky Hill had private conversations. Right. Multiple times.
1: So, to me, looking at this affidavit, I just don't know uh, if they stick with the green standard, if it, if that's enough. But it only takes one juror to say that these, if these improper communications happen, would it have changed the outcome in any way?
0: And, and, I mean, I guess it would be possible even if she actually hears the juror say the things that Becky Hill said— Maybe when she hears them, she might say, well, this rises to above greed. You never, I mean, you don't know, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's, cause she said she's left it open. I mean, it's still not great for Murdoch's team. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure they think it's a a big L coming their way. They have to think that at this point. So what was the proffer? I'm trying to remember what that part was. That was uh, Justice Toll.
1: Yeah. Justice Toll uh, indicated that she would allow the defense to submit a written proffer um, and the defense indicated that they would be submitting some more detailed affidavits, which uh someone responded to me on Twitter, which I thought was kind of a good point, is okay, so they submit these more detailed affidavits. Toll's reaction may be, well, if it was so important, why didn't you uh include all this information on the first round?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's possible
1: so then, after um after this uh hearing or not hearing conference took place, the defense submitted a reply to the state's pre-hearing brief. And they kind of go through the same arguments of why, the legal arguments of why they think uh, this case should apply versus this case. I don't know if that that will sway her in one direction or another. Uh, One thing that I did find interesting in this brief was uh, there was... This communication from this person named Lucas Pierce, who was on a Facebook group. He lived in Indiana and said that his ex wife was on the jury and she already believed Murdoch to be a guilty man.
0: Was this on the comments, actually? Like it was comments? Yeah,
1: it was comments, but it was submitted, but this was presented to Clark Hill. It was and comments
0: on a video is what I'm saying though a comment like on a live feed or something right? Right. It was a live. Yeah, not on Facebook. It was.
1: It was yes. It was a live feed.
0: Yes, live feed. you know how people can comment as the feed is going on. Yes.
1: And this person named Lucas Pierce uh, has saying that his ex wife was on this on the jury and that she w- had already believed that Murdoch was guilty just because he was a man.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Um, it's not the egg jurors. Uh, this is a different juror. but this information was presented to Clerk Hill. But she did not bring that information to Judge Newman the way she did the information about the Facebook group involving the egg juror who was believed to uh, not to be favorable to Alec Murdoch, that she didn't and, believe yeah. he was necessarily guilty. And and
0: uh, in this that we're reading, the you're implying that uh, Becky Hill made up the Facebook thing because she knew about this or whatever. Like, it was a complete made-up thing.
1: Right. They're saying because that... we
0: never did find a trace of it.
1: Right. And that maybe, I guess, this, they kind of insinuate possibly that this is this Facebook po- post maybe gave her the idea, idea. Yes. about uh, the egg jerk Facebook To make up page. a Facebook
0: thing because there was this comment on this live feed, so it planted this idea. Oh, here's well, what I could do. Whether Say an ex said something.
1: Whether that's true or not, uh, Justice Toll says she d- doesn't really, is not... Considering this Facebook yeah. stuff, but it is interesting that why Clark Hill would bring one set of information to uh, Judge, Judge Newman. Newman's attention, but not another set. Because and they the
0: proved that she, like in her email, right, proof and the one, that she saw this.
1: And the one that she brought to Judge Newman's attention was someone who was believed, they didn't, that believed Alec Murdoch was possibly not guilty. Mm-hmm. And this other person had already indicated that they thought right. that Alec Martin was guilty. So he didn't
0: present it. And they have in because of the emails that we have now, Becky Hill, we know that she saw this. Right. And proof of that. Mm. More about it in Fitz News if you wanna read more details.
1: Yeah, and we don't know if this will sway uh, Justice Toll in any way or not.
0: Um, there's a lot of stuff still shaking out there and doesn't mean that Justice Toll will listen to it or hear any of it or whether it's legally important.
1: Right. Oh, and another thing I wanted to comment on, uh if this uh hearing does uh proceed the way Justice Toll envisioned it yesterday at the conference, it's probably only gonna last a day. Uh, or
0: maybe two, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, not I think, the three days uh, they blocked off.
1: Yes. Eric Bland said how how many days should my clients plan to take off and it will it be done one day or are they there's three days allotted for it. do they need to plan to be there all three days? And she basically said no, it should be able to be done in a day. Right.
0: So maybe the if she's only asking a couple of questions, did you hear something and did it sway you?
1: Exactly. It could
0: bang out through and it's only the twelve, right? It's not the any of the, the alternates or uh
1: unless something happens to change uh Justice Toll's mind.
0: But all in all, I think it's pretty unanimous vote from everybody we talked to who's an attorney that it was a big loser of a day for Alec and his team.
1: Yeah, I know. I think um a lot of people uh went into the same thinking you know, there's a good shot that he may get a new trial. And I think most people uh, came out saying, mm, slim, right. slim shot that he gets a new yeah, trial.
0: it was a big turnaround, based I Based
1: on the evidentiary here.
0: Yes, yes. So uh, there you go. Um, you want to reach out to us. It's Impact of Influence on Facebook, Impact of Influence, the YouTube channel we're trying to get rolling. Evergreen Podcast is part of the family. We're always, always grateful that you hang out with us. We're looking into doing uh, some other crimes and missing people and murders around the southeast region. If you have ideas for that, send it to us as well. We're grateful and we will talk soon. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com.
2: Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed Terror Takes Center Stage.